Welcome to episode 49 of The Photo Show. This episode we've got uh, from Float Magazine, Yoav Friedlander and Donna Sterling, and uh, they both run that together, and we had them uh, up at Columbia to speak with us. Yeah, I, and I should uh, say up front, I, I believe I pronounced uh, Donna's name Dana just a couple times in the episode. Uh, you've also got an exciting announcement about the two of them. You want to mention that? Yeah, so uh, Donna and Yoav are going to be taking over our Instagram account. And for those of you who don't know, that's Real Photo Show. And we're really excited. Uh, this is our first Instagram takeover. So uh, look out for that, everyone. Yeah. Um, let's see. So news. Uh, it's the 70th anniversary of Magnum. And uh, because of that, a lot of the Magnum photographers have been in town and there are various meetings and fancy things. But uh, there's also some exhibitions spread around New York City. So if you're going to be in the city, you should get to uh, ICP has an exhibition, which I haven't seen yet, but plan to in the next week. And uh, it's even it's spread all over the city, like Alice Austin House has something. It's just uh, kind of amazing, right? Yeah, you know, summers are, are usually pretty slow, but this seems to be a, a fairly active one. Yeah, yeah. kind of related to uh, Magnum and uh, Yoav and Donna both being from Israel. I had just come from watching uh, the movie uh, about Kadelka photographing uh, in Israel, and... Um, there's a moment in the film, and I know some people are starting to think like, why does Magnum still exist? Is it just going to be an archive? And there's, you know, it's uh, this 70-year-old thing that's been going around. And there's a moment in the film where these guards come up to him and they're trying to like kick him off saying, you can't photograph here. When uh, the filmmaker who's traveling around with Kadelka mentions that he's a, a famous photographer, blah, 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 they get nothing. And then he mentions Magnum and all of a sudden... Uh, the Israeli soldier who's like completely uh, in full gear uh, changes attitude completely. He's like, oh, Magnum, I love Magnum, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, there's mm. there's still something to it, right? I mean, it's, it does have this reputation and uh, being a Magnum photographer it still carries some weight. So I thought that was uh, an in yeah. interesting uh, moment in the film. Yeah, and actually that's um, a nice little uh, segue into our guests. You know, Yoav Friedlander served, and Yoav and Donna served in the Israeli army, as, as Israelis do. And um, they both grew up on a, a West Bank settlement. And we talk a little bit about that in, in terms of how that affects mostly, you know, Yoav's photography. Uh, you'll find out that, that Donna's work tends to be... Um, uh, a bit more uh, internal in a sense, but you'll, you'll see what that means. And, uh, you know, we had a fantastic conversation with them about Float Magazine. And, and really, I think the, most, the thing that came through most in our, our conversation was what a great sort of team they are, what a great couple they are. Uh, even though they don't work together on projects, they really support each other. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's definitely, uh, it's it's encouraging to see that, you know, people are off working on their own thing and yet uh, have this uh, incredible collaboration in the other field, like without stepping on each other's photography in a way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's worth mentioning that if uh, you're listening to this before the 15th of July, uh, you should uh, run over to Clamp Art and see the exhibition Beautiful Boy by Lissa Rivera. Uh, Lissa is, we're recording with her uh, actually this weekend, so we're, that's coming up. And uh, I wanted to make sure to make sure that people could possibly get and see the show, you know, <laughs> if because by the time we uh, release the episode, the show, of course, will be down. Oh, yeah. Good call. We're looking forward to recording with Lissa. Yeah. 
at a secret location to be excitedly announced <laughs> when you hear that episode. Yeah. And maybe if you do a little research uh, on her, you'll figure it out. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Possible new sponsor. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, all right. All right. Well, enjoy the show, everyone. Have a great listen. We'll talk soon. I thought you did. You did the F, yeah. right? Nice. Yeah, because we come all the way from Forest Steels. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's where you're uh, you're based out of. That's where Float Magazine yes, comes out of, right? True. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, I uh, I used to teach out at Queens College for like two years, and uh, luckily I had my motorcycle. So I live in Bushwick. I would take my motorcycle out there. Oh, but there's okay. a couple of times I had to take the train, and I think that's I'd get off at that station and then get a bus, and it took forever. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> from Bushwick. I mean, from other places. I'm sure it's fine. Yo, are you are you at the School of Visual Arts now? Do you work? I in work the with Charles Traub. Yeah. So I redid his website, and, and ah. if you saw, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not working for the school itself, but mainly for Charles. Oh, nice. And Dana, you just graduated the MFA program, yes? Yes, a year ago, exactly. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so all four masters at this table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> newly minted and not so newly minted. Right? Yeah. Oh, oh, that was a shot at me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like 17 years ago, right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've got a lot to talk about, of course, uh, the Float magazine and um, and get into your own work as well a little bit. But um, one thing that sort of struck me, and you just talked about redoing uh, Charles Traub's website, is that there's a real sense on both of your personal websites and, of course, on the Float magazine website that there's uh, this high level of design and polish to it, right? And even I think uh, I was impressed that on your website, the uh, cursor changes and like the hand becomes blue and everything, right? Well, that's right. Uh, yeah, Is that yeah. Yoav's work? You're yeah. pointing yes. to Yoav. Oh, Yoav did <laughs> that? Yeah, okay. It's my secret fetish. Yeah, the, the cursor. <laughs> so uh, did, before going to the MFA program, did you? was there a design background coming from uh, the school in Israel? Or? It, it's actually funny that you ask because originally... Before I started studying a BA in photography, I actually wanted to do graphic design. Mm -hmm. I always loved graphic graphic design, but I had the sense that I don't have any skills with my hands mm -hmm. to make anything. So I used the computer, so it was easier. But then an accidental meeting in a mall in Israel turned me into going to a BA in photography. Oh, wow. So that's my, you know, I, I have some... <laughs> Always had a need to do something with graphic design, but I, I, photography was my, you know, my core. Ah, oh, yeah. So when when you were studying, though, you were studying graphic design, or you? No, I. But I always like I designed the maps for the graduate show for the undergraduate mm -hmm. in in my BA. I uh, designed a website for that show. I I always found myself doing a sidekick mm -hmm. graphic design always was interested in uh, typography and in you know in color theories and, and, and anything that relates to but i guess in in my personal work you can see how graphic design turns into miniatures and then 
things are always involved. There is like a continuous relation between graphic design and shapes and maybe interior design, even if you would like, into my photography. So yeah, the formal qualities and the color and everything, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Did I did I hear you correctly? You said it was a an accidental meeting in a mall. What was yes. That? <laughs> so that? Uh, so I was in still in the army doing my mandatory service, and you know my father was starting pressing me like, "What do you want to do? What are you going to do? Like you're about to finish the army. You know we're doing three years of mandatory service in Israel, right. and we were going to a movie in the mall, and uh, we came into some sort of um, an installment of uh, graduate works by uh, the school I studied in Israel. They had them, you know, a display for uh, pr prospective students or something that go through the mall. And I actually saw a picture of a laser beam, a green laser beam <laughs> that, that caught my attention <laughs> for some reason. And I was, this and, is incredible. And, I was, and like a cat, you are. <laughs> <laughs> like a cat. I chased that picture. And no, and I, I was, what I told the, the person, the representative was, you know, you have a BA in, uh, in the graphic design, but you don't have an actual BA in photography. And then she said, no, we actually have a new degree, a BA, a four years degree, bachelor's of arts in photography in our school. And I signed the paper is right there on the wow. spot. In the three, mall? In the mall, three oh months before I finished my army service. I already signed yeah. up for... Wow. That's for, how you get recruited into the army here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah in the U.S., the mall, in the mall, you'd be recruited into the army, not right. into the uh, to the photo school. That's amazing. <laughs> the army of photography. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And now, Dana, you only had to do, what, is it two years? Or? Yes, yeah, two years. Two years. So do you have a similar story of like... When you were <laughs> my story isn't as exciting as his. I just um, I grew up um, surrounded with photos. My mom is like obsessed with family archive and just collecting her family photos. And then my dad always used to tell me about the um, like a store that used to have in England about a whole history of photography. And I just got obsessed and decided to become a photographer. And then I actually met Yoav, mm -hmm. and he actually helped me. Um, learn about apertures and we like we used to sit on the bed and he used to teach me a little bit yeah. and then I decided to go to school so uh -huh. yeah. so you didn't you didn't meet in school then you met before uh, I was in the <laughs> army actually uh, when I okay. met. so the story is a little bit more exciting <laughs> and complicated than she tells it I'm, get, I'm, I'm getting to think that uh, talking about apertures was some kind so, of foreplay <laughs> So actually, I know, funny enough, I know Dana um, because I had a radio show with my ex-girlfriend and Dana had a part in that radio show. We have a four years difference between us. So I was somewhere in high school. She was in, in the last year of uh, junior high. And times, uh, you know, we, we our ways separated. I went into the army, finished the army, started my BA. I find Dana on Facebook. We started dating. We date for a year. I'm already in school, studying for BA. She says nothing about photography. So one day she shows me pictures she took in the old city of Jerusalem on a stupid old flip phone. And I'm looking at a beautiful picture, beautiful composition. It's a shitty phone, so you get like bad quality, but you can immediately see someone with awareness to a composition. I'm like, well, you know, your composition is really, really good. I mean, you should really consider doing some photography. 
And then she goes, yes, that's my lifelong dream. I always wanted to study photography. And we've been together for years by, by that point. So that, that's how the story should be. Uh, interesting. That's the great. lifelong. Now, uh, we've had... Uh, guests on who went to Betzalel. We've had guests on who went to the other school that I just forgot the name of. Musara? May- oh, no, Vitsa, no. maybe? Which one? In Vitsa? Haifa? Uh, we, maybe. Boy, this is terrible. Uh, there, are, there are few. I mean, of course, Betzalel <laughs> is like the one that was Everyone knows. super yeah. famous. And then the there's the other one that I, I always make fun of. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember its name. Yeah, but but uh, I think you're the first people I've met who went. So what's the name of this school? Hadassah. Hadassah, yeah. So what drew you to Hadassah versus any of the other schools there? I mean, for me personally, it was more about getting away from that art scene. Mm-hmm as I saw in Betzalel, which I don't dismiss. It just, I felt that for me, it was a little bit too... Too conceptual or... Yeah, I just wanted to... I didn't even know what kind of photographer I was back back then. I didn't know anything. So I wanted to just focus. And I feel like Adasa gave me the option to be whoever I wanted to be mm-hmm. and not to pigeonhole me to any specific art type. So that really allowed me to explore and just... Learn. Yeah, I would agree. It's a little bit poisonous to study. I mean, for you need to be very mentally capable going through Betzalel because mm-hmm. of you know the professors are very strong-minded and and yeah. very influential. And if if you want to discover things for yourself, Adasa would be the school to go yeah. to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it just um, it's for a specific type of people, and I I didn't mm-hmm. feel that I was there yet. Maybe today I would go. Because I know more about myself, but back when I just started, I didn't even know how to take real photos, so mm-hmm. it was too too intimidating to go mm-hmm. there. But also, Adasa for years was known as the technical school for mm-hmm. photography. Like they would be the masters, those who master the camera, the the equipment, the you know the technique. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the the school in Israel for that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I was drawn into um, the technical side because I felt. If you have an artistic inspiration, you just need good tools. I mean, I didn't really need the the pressure um, from Betzalel. No. Mm. Well, as you mentioned, you saw a photograph of a laser beam, yes. and that's what yes. drew you in. It wasn't uh, yeah. that I saw my destiny. Yeah. That laser beam. So that's interesting. So that's probably that. Would you say that's still the way those schools are positioned right now, or? Probably not so much. I feel like Betzalel is a little bit more open-minded now. I, when I know when I was there, it was, it was pretty already uh, moving towards being much more conceptual. In terms Definitely, of yes. Yeah. But um, Hadassah, in my opinion, lost a little bit on the way they lost their black and white um, chemical lab, um. which for me was like, okay, no point anymore. Mm. Um, because I felt like, for me, it gave me such a like strong background in photography and just understanding what it is that I feel without that, it becomes like any other school maybe in Israel. So personally, I think that it changed mm. a lot. So today, I, d- I wouldn't know yeah. if like if I would have yeah. chosen the same way. I would also say that for schools, um, people forget it's uh, eventually about who are the teachers, who are the mm. students. That's what makes the school, not what kind of printers or computers or uh, yeah. equipment or rooms or mm-hmm. this... 
and they they got rid of i mean half of their staff the one that was for, there for many years maybe 20 30 years there. they made a lot of changes i mean maybe new students that don't know what was in the past would enjoy it more than i could now mm-hmm. i think that's just yeah there's this idea of institutional memory yeah that, exactly you know if a, in a two-year mfa program after a year or two then no one knows what's different and in a four-year school same thing you know exactly. you might have yeah, come in absolutely. and be like wait a minute where's so-and-so and then like three years later everyone's like who, who's, who's that? that yeah never heard of that person <laughs> exactly yet. yeah so but uh so you both so you graduated first then you because you yes. were, were ahead and then uh but did you both come to the united states at the same time to new york or did you <laughs> again not exactly <laughs> uh-huh. so i it's it's actually funny because i i my intention was to study in london and I went on a, uh, what I found out that the Israeli has security for their airlines anywhere in the world. So they employ people in a diplomatic status so they can do airline security and then you can study, which was a perfect idea because mm-hmm. then I can immediately have a, a job. Ah, so you would be posted at Heathrow or something. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Ah. Working for El Al. Working for El Al. Exactly. Hmm. And in the last day i believe or like towards the end of the the uh, training session which was a month and a half which i did right after school they told me uh, well we don't have room in uh, london uh, although that what i was my aim all along but we are going to position you in new york which was scary as hell because, you know, London, I knew I've been there nine times before. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew what I'm getting myself into. And New York just seemed too big. But I had to move to New York by myself. Dana still had to finish her BA. So we were apart for a year and four months. Yeah. But we saw each other as much as we could. I had some free... I was about to say, they must tickets. give you like, yeah. tickets, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, well, but, you know, London or New York, it's not like they told you, oh, you're going to go to Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, it's not so bad of a deal. Right? I mean, From all the places. Yeah, exactly. You know, of course, I'm sure they're flying out of like large cities. But still, I mean, that's not much of a sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, it just looked, um, you know, un- undoable. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I didn't believe I could make it. But five and a half years yeah. later... Yeah. And then Dana, how did you work your way over? So I graduated in 2013. And then I came like a month after I finished. Mm. And then I was here for a year. I felt so lost and confused for a whole year. And then I decided to go back to school. And I did my MFA here um, at the School of Visual Arts. And just became easier the the more I I was here already. (laughs) And you all did a lot of the like groundwork for me right I had finding an a place all exactly that. Yeah, yeah yeah but and, and going to sva too right yes yeah. Yeah. yeah i did apply to other schools but they did reject me so um <laughs> well, here i am today actually that's a great <laughs> little piece of work you made i oh. call it the, the rejection paint chips yes yes, yes. <laughs> what did you title that work uh it's called the artist we regret to tell you oh yes yeah that's so the title. It, it looks like the the swatches you get mm-hmm. uh paint chips and then uh the quotes from the beginning First paragraphs, are they? Or is it the uh, whole thing? The whole email. The whole thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, rejection. Yes. <laughs> um, none of the school's applications got into that book, right. but um, there is one from SVA. Oh, really? From the gallery, yeah. <laughs> so that's also funny. But um, 
Yeah, I, I'm, me and rejections go <laughs> long back in life. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with them. Because uh, that, that book became so popular and it just went viral. So my rejections became more successful than my actual work. <laughs> and that was terrifying, <laughs> in my opinion. Right? Uh, yeah. Born to lose. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I, I went to Home Depot almost every day and took like 50 at a time. <laughs> They probably got to know you. Like they, they always looked at me like she's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is she taking so many pin chips? And the thing is that they are very specific ones in a specific order. Yeah. So we had like they would run out, and then she would send me to I don't know, like somewhere in Middle Village <laughs> yeah. or somewhere in Queens. Go check that uh, 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 Home yeah. Depot uh, oh. branch. Maybe they have those green emerald yeah. color. <laughs> so actually, that brings up uh, an interesting point. You're um, you're together. You're living together. Are you married? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you do this magazine together, Float Magazine. Uh, do you also collaborate with your work, with your photography? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we work together. Like I help him when he photographs. He helps me, I can say, but I don't take that many photos anymore. So, but uh, we do help each other when we actually do the photography part mm -hmm. of things. But um, we've never really made something together. Right. right? I don't think so. No. No. Yeah. Except for float. Except for float. And and was that um something you talked about? Something you thought about? Because it it could be a little competitive, right? When you're with if you're both doing if you're both photographing if you're both. Uh, but I think we have a good system. I mean, we we have this chart of all the submissions we go through and um, we just go through it. And sometimes I'll get into something that he didn't and vice versa. And I think we just when someone gets in, it's it's a happy occasion. As far as I'm concerned, it's like there's two of us. If one succeeds, exactly, that's yeah. enough. I mean, if one of us takes off, I mean, I will be very happy for Dana if she'll succeed and I will never make it. But <laughs> it, 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 truly, I mean, because I, I, lo I, I love making. So as long as she's succeeding and I can keep on making, I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, and I'm sure she feels the yeah. same way. I think that I think we <laughs> we <laughs> hopefully the find out. <laughs> Let's take a break from our <laughs> When we come back, Donna's response. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think I think it wouldn't work if we didn't push each other. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. right because I feel like just keeping the tra track of the all the submissions and pushing each other to submit. And just trying to do as much as we can for each other really helped both of us in the end. I'm sure it helps that you're your personal work is very different from each other's too, right? I mean, yeah. so as far as like what Michael was kind of hinting at, that there are, I mean, I know couples who either met in grad school or met some other time and then, or, or what's even worse, they both apply to grad school, only one gets in oh and then God. like a year afterwards, they're like, you know, oh, one person's having, meeting all these new people and their work's taking off and the other person's left at home and sad. Mm -hmm. And then next thing you know, of course, they break up because of tension or whatever. Yeah. Then there are, uh, we were, I just heard about um, out at dinner with uh, uh, John Pilson and Anmi Lay. So there are people who are married and making work, and but usually their work is very different. And so I think that, that helps take some of the, the tension off, right? Like yeah, you don't walk in and find like Donna building little <laughs> miniature sets and you're like, wait a minute. Never. Uh, yeah, never. I'm the miniature never. set builder here. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Yeah, I think it just works for us. I don't know how and why, it just, it does. I don't think either of us has a, a big ego when it comes to success or making work. Actually, 
I really enjoy helping Dana and I really enjoy helping her develop ideas and being part of it. Even though it's it's not my style, I completely submerge myself into it. I, 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 I'm giving 100% when she's doing something. Well, actually, that's a, so it's a good way, uh, good segue into talking about your styles and, and your work a bit more. Um, you do work with miniatures and models and sets, but you also do landscapes that are not miniatures and all. And, True. Um, how do you see those as connected? What got you into miniatures? So it, it's actually Lasers. interesting. Lasers. We already <laughs> did. It, start, it starts with that green beam. <laughs> Um, but actually, it's it's kind of a funny story because I, I was already here. I never did miniatures before. It wasn't part of my, um, my uh, repertoire. And I felt like this landscape here is so different from Israel. And I was in school and I felt I want to share my surreal experience of the Israeli landscape with my fellow students, but I wasn't able to travel and I, I met with a friend, uh, Shai Kremer, who is also an Israeli photographer, uh, who is also an alum of uh, the School of Visual Arts. And I told him I have this crazy idea where I'm going to recreate scenes from the Israeli landscape in miniatures. And he told me, if you can pull it off, it's going to be great. I had no idea how to build miniatures, but what I tried to do is you know, take a few pieces of, of wood and, and create a, wa- a watchtower. And I made a really uh, shady looking, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bad, bad quality, uh, but lookalike of a watchtower. And I put it on my, my bed and I wanted to share it with Dana and with my parents because I was excited. You know, you managed to glue a few pieces of wood together. They didn't fall apart and they looked <laughs> like something. And I suddenly realized that the watchtower was enough on the bed as a signifier that almost like superimposed the Israeli landscape inside my bedroom. That realization started the whole thing with miniatures where I started to, I started to realize that what I'm trying to do is to um, see the um, inspiration from a photograph or a place that was photographed and try to recreate certain elements from photographs. And I know that a ver- just enough of something recognizable, will people will not see all the flaws in the miniature. They will complete the pictures themselves from other pictures that they have in their memory, from photographs and places they saw, all that together. And, and I realized the connection between photography and miniatures indexical relation, the fact that both are a recreation or a, a, a mirror or reflection of some place in reality. And that that moment when I saw the watchtower and it was so bad, the worst miniature I ever made, but it was just enough to convince you you're looking into, from a vantage point, into the landscape of a desert. Just because of one model from wood, that was enough. And I realized that, and I, I I played with that ever since. So it it um it evoked just enough of the reality to to let you use it as a detail, and more important, right. even the photographed reality. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, they can recognize a watchtower and a war scene, even though they've never been to Israel, right. even though they've never been to a war scene, because we're so the reality is so infused with those imagery from movies and from 
you know, from news and right. television and, and the newspapers. long lens, compressed image, sometimes silhouetted. Right. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. And so for people, it's so natural. They don't. And I want them to feel that it's natural. And then I want them to uh, see the artificiality because then they realize, wait, how do I know how war looks like? Where does all these memories that I d don't belong to me come from? Th that That's the part where I'm really interested in miniatures. And that's why also... I sometimes put miniatures in real uh, life situations, in the landscape itself. I want to create that, you know, constant, uh, you know, bounce between uh, reality and uh, a reflection of uh, upon reality. Yeah, and uh, the ones that I remember seeing on your website, which of course we'll link to, like there's one, I don't know if it's the one you were talking about, but there's the one where there's a tower sitting on the pillow on uh, the bed with like with the window behind it. Oh, right? that's the one is with the, the water tower. It's a water tower though, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I've seen some other people who work with, who work with miniatures and off in the current landscape, you know, in the reality or whatever. And they're much more about um, kind of being like just playful, like, oh, you know, like here's Ant-Man who's, you know, look, the chair looks so big yes. to the little guy and the little car and everything. And so it's, it's, it's much more on just that level of like, what if, you know, our world was uh, inhabited by tiny people and tiny cars and uh, your photographs don't have that kind of feel it's it's like you said you're bringing those elements into the everyday and even though they're at a different scale it doesn't feel like that kind of just play on play on scale but much more about uh something uh reverberating from this other location right yes yeah and i believe uh, you're photographing these all with a large format camera too it is with a four by five i wish i would use an eight by ten but the problem is that it's almost impossible to scan it uh, we need a drum scanner and but for me um the four by five eight by ten cameras uh, they they give me I'm, i like it a lot because when you photograph a miniature room with an 8x10 specifically, it's the size of the room itself. Mm -hmm. So you're almost creating, like you're mirroring a miniature room onto the camera. And that one is a box and the miniature room is a box. And I like the concept of the camera obscura. Mm -hmm. The light comes into the camera, the light comes into the miniature. That kind of... So I like the, the box relationships when it comes to miniature. I like the... The, the whole uh, the whole concept and you know the full control that you have uh, you know with the with the large format camera i can really do whatever i want to do and and, mm. and get to that perfect you know point of view where you're confused or you get immersed into the photograph especially with rooms when they make miniature rooms if you get into the eye level of that miniature world you really can confuse people with the the perspective. Yeah, especially creating. these days, which I think will go well when we start talking about float, is that it uh, these days many times people are seeing them online on a small screen or whatever, and so if you're just scrolling past, you would maybe think you were just looking at reality, yes. right? And Not realizing the translation. And it's funny because when I print them in physical form, I, I, my prints, my ideal print size is 60 by 70 inches. Uh. So I want it to be a gigantic print because then, the, then it's even more confusing when you see a room that was a miniature and the size that would, you would almost consider room size. Mm. It's even harder to distinguish. 
So I like the the constant change between a miniature scale into a large scale. Um, and also, as you say, on the website, it's confusing for one reason. In real life, it will be confusing for another. Right. And uh, the connection that I saw, Donna, between uh, the two of your work. Now, I don't I don't know what camera you're using, but there is there is a bit of that um, very like controlled formal mm -hmm. quality to a lot of the way that you frame the things in your photograph. Are you using a large format camera? I as usually well, use or? a six by seven actually. Okay. I do sometimes use a four by five, but I need his help. I see. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um I don't feel as comfortable with it. I feel more comfortable with the six by seven. Right. But you um, would would you agree that there's that kind of uh, Definitely, hundred percent. I think since my BA I started photographing in a very straightforward way, almost flat always, very close i just I always felt that was the best way for me to represent what i was trying to do and i i just do still lifes i can't do portraits i can't do miniatures <laughs> i just feel like still life is the best way for me to just express everything i'm feeling mm -hmm. i'm just able to take a, an object and see more to it than just the object were there photographers that were you were inspired by when you were i love that question because okay. i always love to drop his name because i I wish one day maybe I, I'll meet him. Um, Is this going to be a Japanese photographer? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> How did you know? Um, Takashi, I, I, I hope I'm not butchering his name when I say it, but Takashi Asimura, Asimura? I'm not sure. Uh, he has a book called Domestic Scandals. It's amazing. I saw his uh, book when I just started using color negative, and he really shaped my whole perception of using color and still life and how you can use still life to talk about family and memories. And it, he just really embodied everything I wanted to be as a photographer. And yeah, I just follow his footsteps. And, and that's at the heart of your work. You were, I, I read some of the description on your site. It is about identity and displaced identity and a feeling of not belonging in both worlds mm -hmm. as well. Um, and that had to do with your family's uh, migration from yeah. Europe to Israel, right? And, and then you speaking English at home and, and all that. So, so how is that? Um, how do you sort of deal with that in your work? I think the, the reason I do still life is because I feel so much disconnection with my family members and just my family history and just the whole identity of it. Um, I never felt that family was a part of something I, I was. And I felt that I could just take a photo of my house or objects in it, and that way I can insert myself into all these places. And I can create my own little family album. I can create my own history, my own narrative. So, but when you say you don't... Um do you, are you saying you don't identify with your family I, in I some ways? I feel like there's just a big gap between their story and or my parents' idea of their history and their family members that I've never seen or I don't know about. And then they came to Israel and they don't really talk to the language. They try to be European inside Israel and that never works out because Israel is so Israeli. Um, <laughs> So I, w I went to school and I was talking Hebrew with my friends and I couldn't, I felt very ashamed and embarrassed by 
like by your Hebrew, by your by my English oh, you're, okay. speaking parents. I never felt uh-huh. I was just a, a big mess of identities and right. languages. So it's like and a culture. typical kind of immigrant story where you're the first generation and you're exactly, yeah. and then you're like, oh, oh, you're gonna come home and meet my parents. You know, oh, they're gonna be speaking English, yeah. and, you know. and now I moved here, so I'm even more of an immigrant. <laughs> so it's like a real big mess Mm -hmm. so i feel like that's my only way to make sense of things if i am able to isolate specific objects or moments and kind of create my own little although you're in queens it's (laughs) (laughs) true true True. you're in a community of immigrants yeah i also work in a place where full of jewish people that love israel so i'm not that far away yeah so we had this sort of timeline where uh you know yoav goes into the military first then goes out and goes into school first and you're and then goes to moves to new york first then sva but at some point you you both decide to do something at the same timeline right Mm -hmm. which would be i assume float magazine so do you want to talk about how how that idea came about because you were still in school i imagine I oh, think you, it was before I started school, no? Oh, even before. I, I think March 2014. 14. Ah, we were so. in school. So I was in school. Okay. okay. So I think I remember it was in the evening. I just remember feeling very frustrated. I think I just got a rejection letter again <laughs> or something. And we started talking about the idea of all these platforms and how they don't accommodate everyone and how they're so specific and very sometimes closed-minded you see the same type of work the same people over and over and over and we just felt that it has to be something better or different even if not better but then we 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 started talking and we said we were kind of joking around we said what if we have like make our own magazine then we paused and we took a yellow pay you know those yellow notepads and we started writing down and yeah that's how it kind of started we decided float because of my photo. Um, I have the photo of like the, um, it was like a water grass floating in the water. Oh, yeah. And, okay. I, and we kind of said that how that's basically us. So that, that was like immediate. And she always gets mad at me because I call it dead water. Yeah, yeah. That picture, <laughs> which is not its name. Its name is float. And she always, <laughs> I'm like, didn't your picture of the, what do you call dead water got into that show? <laughs> and she's like, you mean float. That's what the magazine is named after. And I'm like, yes, yes, that one. Yeah. But, but it, I, w- I would I have to say that it was, I think it's Dana's spirit is the, the, the real strongest engine behind float. I mean, she always wanted to do something like that. She 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 curates pictures in her own work, you know, when it comes to finding objects and pictures that don't belong to her and making making sense out of them into a, a fictional family album. So moving into curating different artists into a themed uh, magazine that makes a more sense it's like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts something that makes a community which mm-hmm. i think also relates to you yeah. dana when because you didn't have a family and now you always consider float as a family we have an annual picnic at the central park oh, where wow. we we we, okay, we yeah. do all sorts of things and we consider the people who participate in float as family so i think it, it a lot of these you know, this identity of the magazine comes from from Dana, and 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 I mean, I'm a full part of it, but 
I really think the credit goes to her. And yet it probably gave you a great excuse to become the graphic designer that <laughs> yes, you always desperately wanted to be, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it looks like, you know, from the layout of the magazine that, you know, you, you sort of feature a photographer on the cover, maybe someone who's more known, a bigger name, and then, and then there's connected to the the um the storyline of the magazine the the theme of the magazine are, are a lot of other photographers and, and, and not unknown photographers but you know lesser maybe lesser known photographers and so what is that process like uh, of choosing photographers and all it's it's actually pretty cool because we got to talk to people like jerry ursman which are like mm-hmm. wow right score and he was super <laughs> nice like it was just amazing experience to just be able to even contact him and him responding in such a positive way and it's just we, we try and choose artists that we, we actually believe in their work and we relate to in some way. And we, we try to connect two worlds together, people that are really known and they probably don't need us in the sense of they, they do well, but they want to come and collaborate because they know how people would react to being in a magazine with them. And I think giving people the platform of sharing their work alongside someone like that really makes them believe in their own work and just the whole idea of like we, where everyone's the same everyone's doing photography everything everything is connected to each other so just enjoying photography and also we we are now expanding the scope of people writing for mm-hmm. a float magazine because that's another aspect that you know a, a, a lot of people have some criticism about how photography how people write about photography and young people have um, the need to express themselves or write about someone they know or some, some someone they admire, and the, we we suddenly have a platform when we can give people the opportunity to write mm-hmm. about a, photo- a known photographer that they have um, some something to say about and to describe their the their work in their words. And that's another aspect, I think, I believe, that is important in the magazine. Yeah, the magazine also does uh, portfolio reviews mm-hmm. and online showcases and online exhibits and book reviews and and then Instagram takeovers as well. Yes. <laughs> we just said today how excited we are because we kind of, in the beginning, we started with me posting every day on Instagram and it was, it just didn't make any sense and we started doing the takeovers and it just gives people four days to share their work and it just kind of self generates itself people just enjoy seeing other people's work and they start following each other and they become friends i have i have people from flow that have become friends because of it and i've gained friends because of these takeovers and they just creates an online presence that is purely about enjoying and celebrating photography and community of each other and it's not about ranking or who's Mm -hmm. better and you know it's just yeah coming together and enjoying each other's work. You know? I've actually been considering doing that for the show while an episode is out, have that guest take over the Instagram account oh, nice. and post so you guys fantastic. can post when your episode is out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. I think it's just, it's fun because it's not as much responsibility as other stuff online. It just, it's more, I don't know even how to explain, but people really enjoy it when they take over, like they feel that it was a great four days. And I also think it adds a lot of energy, right? Because it's not their own account where they might be getting a little tired of what they've been doing. And and some people have like 200, 300 followers 
and it's really hard to be seen on Instagram. It's a yeah. platform of hundreds of millions of people, yeah. and uh, there's a lot going on with brands and money involved and fake followers and all that stuff. And then suddenly you are taking over an account with 5,000 followers. <laughs> yeah. All of them are interested in photography. Yeah. Most of, a lot of them are past um, takeovers and, and suddenly you are being seen. Yeah. And I think the, the, best pa- the best part is that it's growing naturally. It's not about us pushing anything. We're not putting ads or sponsoring. Or it's just it's growing really naturally. Yeah, we've had a number of guests on who are a part of uh collectives you know online collectives or um like uh, groups of street photographers and everything but it sounds like part of the reason why you want to do this one was you you came up with this frustration about you know related to the rejections and the rejection letters but uh that also this communal aspect was interesting and not but not just to find uh other miniature photographers right or other people doing uh still lives but you wanted to make a find a different way to build the community out right yeah i think i mean we're both immigrants here we don't know anyone necessarily here we don't have families here so i think in some way it became our little community so even if we don't see people face to face and we don't know them we do have this thing that Mm -hmm. we all share together and in recently we we had uh, an exhibition that we're taking down uh, tomorrow. tomorrow basically in Littlefield um, mm-hmm. uh, an exhibition we curated uh, for a show that originally was online uh, about the subject the theme under the theme space spaces in outer space or anything you want it to okay. be yeah. <laughs> it was that really uh, pretty amazing because we got outer space we have a actual alien in the show <laughs> but we also have space in the sense of ha- houses home um abstract light so we 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 had we had this physical exhibition not an online one mm-hmm. And people had the opportunity to first time in their life exhibit their work in New York. And they send their work from everywhere, from Brazil, from uh, Europe, from places and uh, from Israel. I mean, and the feeling that you are you're opening a door for someone and what you always dreamt that someone will do for you. I mean, it's very humble and experience. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing, especially in your this other aspect of the virtual and the real. Because uh, you were you just mentioned already, like oh, we're meeting, have meetups in Central mm-hmm. Park, or but the the most the majority of the experience is a virtual experience, which allows for, as you just said, people from Brazil or yeah. all over the world to participate. But. Uh, for the magazine itself, um, you do do that uh, sort of the mimic of the physical, right? So in the way that uh, uh, that's one thing I was I was interested about your website is if you've got these sections like the book reviews and then the exhibitions, but you also have like portfolios. So there's like these and it partly goes back to this idea of graphic design and layouts, like how you treat these different sections. But when you click on an on an issue of the magazine, it like, all of a sudden you see pages flipping and yeah, things happening. Right, yeah. yeah. So do you want to talk about that that decision-making process? I think Dana is the best one to talk about it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just my dream to have a magazine out or um, having a physical thing that we're not capable of doing if it's finance, if it's just logistically not something we can do. It, I mean, Float is just me and you have. There's no funding. There's no anything. So for me, it's just a, a way to create a, a real magazine 
without printing it. And I just take it a little bit more seriously in the sense of like, I have to really think about how I want to curate this magazine and who's going inside it and what's the theme that we're trying to create. Like we just actually um, took out the new issue, uh, Female Gaze Following today. Following the male gaze. Following yes. the male gaze, yes. yes. Cause we have to have both sides. Right. Just today. Um, and it was, it was hard to, f- to do this one because I really wanted to be more creative in the people that we choose and not be so, um, what would be the best Stereotypical? Way? Yeah, maybe. Like, be a little bit more open-minded about what would be the female gaze in photography. So it took a long time to curate all these people together. And I think they it really came out one of the best issues so far because we really had to think about it. And I think with the portfolios, we're trying to give more opportunities to people and kind of have a more of a broad um, sense of what photography is so people can do different styles if it's fashion, documentary, still life. And in the magazine, we try to create something more condensed. So we really have to pick and choose. And I have to even give rejection letters. Which is always really, really hard for me, (laughs) honestly. So I'm sorry if anyone who's listening to this. (laughs) On a paint chip. Maybe one day someone will do a book with me inside it. Um, But I, I, yeah, I try to be very personal and at least say, hey, we have other options. We always are looking for more people to to do other stuff. So I'm I'm trying to always keep the door open for people, Mm -hmm. which is something I felt that I never got from places. Mm. So I try. You know, sometimes you apply for things, but they don't tell you why unless you ask for it, Mm -hmm. right? So I asked for the letter and it was something like, um, his work does not add anything more to the canon. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But that's about as generic a statement as you can make. You could just stamp that on a bunch of letters if you wanted to. It's almost better not to know sometimes yeah. if that's the answer, right? So, right. Yeah. So, uh, so creating the magazine itself is a little bit of a harder process, but we decided not to give ourselves any deadlines and really allow ourselves to be 100% sure that anything that goes in the magazine is something we believe in and we want to promote as this agenda or this theme. So it's and also great. it's fun because we, we, we the magazine was ready for like two days now. Yeah. And we said, you know what, because we're coming to the show... We'll release it while it's yeah. li- while it's going. So we basically schedule a post, and the magazine is out during mm-hmm. while yeah. we talk. Yeah. So it's it's fun because you you create your own rules. You is this yeah. um, issue the one with uh, Aliyah Aliyah Ali? Is this yes the, yes. So and we also have, uh, our featured artist is Angela Strassheim, mm-hmm. which is she's a friend and she's just really talented and I love her photography and she was a perfect fit for this um, issue. I, I brought up uh, Ali because uh, she's a Yemeni, Bosnian, American multimedia artist. She sounds like someone very who could identify with you a little bit. And <laughs> Definitely. And she, um, it's funny because she actually approached us um, with her project to as a submission for this. And I was like, yes, I showed it to you. <laughs> and I'm like, this is this amazing. Is and it's just another voice in this magazine that me and you all personally can't give mm-hmm. we, we don't do that kind of photography so we are able to use other people's work to create right this and also the magazine is what like 270 pages right Something now like wow yeah, i was about to say that too is that wow it's be not being a physical it, yeah. object you're able to make these 
It's kind of funny because you used the word condensed earlier, and I was like, condensed? <laughs> because when I loaded it in the browser, I was like, I, I thought it said like loading 273 pages. Like, oh, okay, condensed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I think the uh, mail gaze was about 300 pages because oh, okay. we don't care, right? We right. don't have to print it, and right. we can allow ourselves to do whatever we I want. I mean, no one in the world will give a white page next to a page with a picture on a magazine that is actually costing money to print. Because that that will be a no, mm-hmm. like nope. The the editor is you got to put something there. So yeah. what would you do if uh, someone offered to print your work but said uh, it can't be more than you know sixty pages or something? We'll make something else. <laughs> yeah, I think we would do it in addition to what we do with the magazine. We would you, you'd launch Dead Water magazine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <they're> yes. Dead. <laughs> Things are rolling in my head. <laughs> Yes, let's that, do it. That yes is, is authentic. Yes. She's, she's, yeah, yeah. Tomorrow we yes. already oh, the spin-off magazine, Deadwater. I, I mean, it. if someone said, the I don't upside th- down world. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we would stop doing that magazine. We would just mm-hmm. do another platform because right. I feel like the more platforms you have for people, the more people you can accommodate. And I feel like that's our biggest goal. Is you just see the greed? As <laughs> greed of sharing and giving. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I think that's really the ultimate goal, just to have as many people be a part of Float. Um, if they can't be in the magazine, maybe they can do a takeover. If they can't do a takeover, maybe they have a book review. We'll try to accommodate them somehow because mm-hmm. I feel like so many people are looking for outlets for their work. And if we can give that work and you, a place. And you know, sometimes uh, someone sends you the book for a book review. Dana is doing very beautiful photographs of the book itself. And then that can take off. People can actually use it for, you know, for their own promotional purposes. And someone might see it and maybe they already got a few rejections. And then from, from the fact that it wasn't float, it can take off. So you never know. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really proud of the book reviews because Dana is doing really a wonderful job documenting those books and i think it's priceless for the people who yeah. you know they publish the book usually self-published, yeah, self-published mm-hmm. or limited edition artist books right i mean personally i just love books and i enjoy seeing photography books and it's just a great way for me to have these books <laughs> yeah <laughs> and in a way because i feel like i wouldn't have necessarily known about them or have them if i didn't do these reviews i so. can hear float library Yes. Yeah. Starting to... Uh, well, because that's like actually one of our dreams or my dreams. I don't know whose dream anymore. Um, <laughs> it's We, we want to create a space where the bottom would be a gallery where it would, would never f- have artists that are signed to the gallery, but it's always changing. Every exhibition is a different artist. So there's endless possibilities of people who could be in this gallery. And then above that would be a library dedicated to photography books, and like people could come and sit and just enjoy f- photography and books. And dead water that's a library, dream. dead water library. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the dream. So I'm I'm building a, towards you're that. You're talking about a building, a physical space. Yes. With, yes. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. A destination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that I feel like I'm building towards maybe one day having an actual float library. I, I saw online, uh, but I'm not sure if it was current or not that you were also involved in another online project, mm-hmm. right? Are you still working with them? Yeah. Um, Ain't bad. It's a great, great um, platform. I think they have a lot of the same ideals that Float has. They just they really picked up. Um, they have a lot of followers, a lot of people that um, just read their stuff. They do a lot of publications and magazines. Really great 
great yeah they platform. started to be a publisher recently they have already a few yeah like mm. physical publications and they they actually now are working on their 12 issue magazine they're really hard workers really amazing actually it's really inspiring to be a part of something that all of these people are young people and they they don't come for money it's not that this is just like a, a pet project this is something they really it's work hard it's not a vanity hard. project right? yeah yes. they really work hard towards it and i think it's just i think that's what really is great about today in online platforms is just people are allowed to create and dream and allow these dreams to become actual so things so dana is working full time job as a photographer She's editing Float magazine, doing book reviews, uh, managing the Instagram takeovers, doing everything relates to Float. And then in addition, she's also an editor and ain't bad. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know how she has time to watch with me a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> every There's night. always time to see Seinfeld. <laughs> you know, the Seinfeld diner is only a couple blocks away, right? Uh-oh. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Broadway and 111. You mean Float the Diner? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, might have, you might have to go check it out on your way out. Yeah. Were you at the um, then the School of Visual Arts? Uh, they, they had a whole a book, book. Yeah, that fair book and zine fair. Yeah. At the uh, yeah. MoMA PS1? No, 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 no the one at, at school. The, the book oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had wine spilled on my book, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I actually had my rejection books with it and my... yeah. No, so I was there. Um, mm-hmm. It oh. was fun. I was there too. I was sitting next to Eleanor Carucci. Oh, you were... Opie. Yeah, that was, was the problem. I didn't get to see anybody else's stuff because I was sitting I didn't know it was just kept doing Kululu. That's all I know that she was doing, right? She was like <laughs> doing all the... Moroccan oh, sounds. Oh, yeah, 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 she did do that. <laughs> the other thing she, she was it. doing is when people would give her money, she was stuffing it into her bra, which oh. is like from being a dancer <laughs> yeah, all those yeah, years. It was like belly dancing. Yeah. Belly dancing. It was like her natural thing. She's like, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. You Another, haven't, um, Eleanor, are actually going to teach um, in the spring semester. In right? the spring semester in wow. the BFA, we're going to teach a class together called okay. The Artist Immigrant. Ah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to go Tied up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice. Look, Yes. Yeah, I just saw on Instagram this morning she was posting about uh, winning another award, right? She yes. In PDN. Yeah. 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 Yes, PDN, yes, yes. yeah. I don't think you can be any hotter right now than uh, Eleanor Carucci. <laughs> She's doing <laughs> really hot. great, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's great. We love her. Oh, that'll be fun. That'll be a nice class to yeah. do. Yeah. I think it, it should be a mandatory class right. in, in a school of any, any, any art school in New York. The artist immigrant. It's basically, it's a class... Um, figuring out what are you contributing with the culture you're coming from. Mm. How is your sort of personal diaspora changes your um, uh, your own, like how it influences your, uh, how it cultivates you. Um, so it's like a media, like it, we, we know so much about Amer- Americanization of, of things by brands and products, but thinking of uh, you know the exchange between cultures people need to be aware of that consider that and explore how the work changes throughout their you know their school and how they're trying to imitate american photographers or are they bringing new influence from their culture so that's the core of that class and that gets even a little meta because their cultural influence of photography may have been may have come down from western influence of photography already i mean from 
colonization or just the the history and 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 mass media and all kinds of things it's very interesting and famous photographer figures that influence young photographers and right um and actually so that that actually brings up a good point so we're not a political show but um both of you grew up in a uh a settlement maale adumin yep yep yeah yeah and and of course talking about your own cultural experience and then bringing that here and all it's not just that you're from Israel you're also from uh, you know a, a politically problematic place as well right and how did how did that influence and affect the way you uh, uh, photograph the way you interact you know the, the relationships you have with other Israelis things like that I think you obviously his work is all based on where we grew up mm-hmm Right? Because like you always talk about the idea of like growing up in the desert and being in this place of war, but not really war like we imagine, but the conflict of it is very present always. So And, and also one thing I, I figured out that was really interesting for me in terms of my work, you know, you grow up in a settlement, I mean, a, it's not what it sounds. It's a, you know, it's not as tense. And also my parents moved to the settlement when they were younger because it was affordable. So a lot of people imagine those crazy um, religious people living in a settlement for all sorts of ideological problems, uh, issues. But it's, it's more varied than that. But what, like my photography in Israel, the landscape that you were asking me before, was always shot from the point of view from the margins of a road. Mm. Always... close enough to the car so I can escape back, you know, if something happens, you know, because I was, I remember growing up, you know, they were throwing Molotov cocktails and, and rocks and things were happening. There were bomb, bus bombings and suicide bombings and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, you, you travel from Maladumim to Jerusalem and you look at these mountains, it's all open and free for you to roam, but you know, You are always aware of where is this where does the danger roll where where would I be attacked so for me a lot my the landscape always is always in my memory from the point of view of the road itself not from the in, inside the landscape and when I moved over to the states I found myself again shooting from the margins of the road and again faking the you know the illusion of the that free to roam landscape you know wide open landscape but it's again not free to roam because it's privatized everything is posted private property so I found a very interesting relation between the landscapes in Israel and the landscapes in the US both of them I shoot from the margins of the road from the shoulders and and it's it's crazy because it's unintentional but that mm-hmm. that is a that is a viable relation between those two landscapes as far as right I'm you're concerned. always looking for the demarcation yes yeah I just came on I just on Tuesday went to the Czech Center to see uh, the screening of um, that Kadelka film Kadelka oops sorry Kadelka shoots Holy Land have you seen that yes of course yeah and uh, there's one scene where he gets to this you know incredible desert landscape and he had already photographed it before but he's like you know I can't make a better picture of it and it's nice enough just to stand here and take it in right it's like that's enough just to come here and look at it not to inhale photograph it, it. Yeah, yeah to inhale it yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was pretty amazing and it was I mean that that particular it's almost looks like 
it looks like where the ocean just got pulled away or something, right? It's like incredible landscape. Pretty amazing. Dana, you mentioned earlier that you're not photographing as much now. Is that because just all the other work you're doing? Or are you switching? Yeah. Are, you, are you more multimedia now, do you think? Or? I don't know what to like describe myself, but I've been using more ar- archival images and just found footage and um, using that as the source of my photography. So every time I use a found footage, it is as if I took the photo. That's mm-hmm. how I kind of approach it. So, But taking actual photos, I feel like I... I haven't done as much. Um, sadly, I think I we should probably do a road trip soon <laughs> yes. to to do it. But I, I just I just really enjoy um, collecting and archiving and just using those materials as mm. my source. So my whole um, thesis from my MFA was um, all found footage and. Right. Um, using that as you had old mm-hmm. family album style work. Was that from your thesis work? The uh, yes, the yeah, like well, stuff that was in works. frames yes. there with like right, sand that was added. Pages. Yeah. Right. So that was my uh, my thesis. I had a book that I created which combined my photography and found footage as well. But everything was very about using these photos as a way to communicate and just allowing myself to use these photos as if I took them. Mm-hmm. And just finding those little moments that I wish I could photograph and how I feel about them and you have knows it takes me forever to choose a photo in the flea market like it has to be really specific uh. and yeah it, it was actually pretty fun to create the, that project I, I also feel um that you know when you first come to new york everything like you can actually feel like you're discovering places no one have been to mm-hmm. although it's new york city <laughs> and there there's 10 million people in the vicinity of the the place and i feel like you had more Uh, you were more excited when you were going around and taking your chances and now you do, you you don't you don't have that same feel yeah. of exploration yeah. so we do need to do a road I trip to, yeah. soon. i feel like new york city has a kind of it's hard for me it, it happened to me also in israel where i stopped taking photos in israel because i felt that i i couldn't find anything i could relate to and it's happening a little bit in new york city now so hopefully if we do a road trip i can Have, have either of you been back? Do you go back and photograph? Would you go back and photograph? <laughs> in Israel? Yeah. I, I, so I haven't been in Israel for three years now. You have for two years. Mainly because immigration and mm-hmm. the whole process of getting visa and coming out of the country, in and into the country. So that kind of forced us to stay here for a long time. Um, But does it interest you in terms of coming back with maybe a, a different fresh new interesting perspective or, or yeah it would be interesting to see but I feel like every time I go to Israel I because I don't do a lot of landscape photography I feel very lost oh right yeah. so for you obviously like it's picnic he goes and he <laughs> goes wild in the Actually, desert it's funny now when I go back I feel like it like I can explore as if I don't know the place mm-hmm. yeah so I, I because like when you're so used to a place you overlook certain things you take them for granted mm-hmm. And when the last time I've been, I was so productive. I made a few pictures that I really, really like. And I actually started the thing that I need to come back and, and, and finish it, which was the northern part. Um, there's the Golan Heights in Israel. And it's a disputed landscape anyway because it was taken from Syria and it was never formally recognized as part of Israel. And the place is just plagued with landmines. Mm-hmm. 
And the thing is that originally the Syrian put some landmines in the ground and then Israel took over and then Israel said, well, we don't want to really pull those landmines out because it's great for the next war. <laughs> so we're going to leave them in. So it's and again, the thing where you can see a beautiful landscape. But then there's a tiny, tiny wire right. going stretched across and a triangle sign, which is the international one for a landmine. So it's called the, the, the body of work that I started back then two years ago was called This Land is Mine. And if you if you read the title from two rows, it, it, it gets into This is Landmine. Oh, this land okay. is mine. This is landmine. And I was taking pictures of this beautiful landscape and you can see this wire and, you know, the triangle that tells you all this beauty and no one can roam it. No one. And again, all, all the time, that landscape in Israel, that's always either dangerous, inaccessible, or it's a training area for, for the military. So much is taken. And so I, I wasn't that much aware when I was growing up. But when I came back, suddenly I started seeing all these landmine fields that I started taking pictures of that. Hmm. Yeah, that's not something you want to uh, make a mistake on, right? Like, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Ah, let me go up close to the wire. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe maybe yeah. just a little just bit a little under the, the wire. wire. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just put the tripod leg. Across. Yes. <laughs> Yikes. Um, so let's, I'm sure some of our listeners uh, who have like paused the episode and gone on to the website are wondering like, what is the submission process? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, what if they did want to take do an Instagram takeover? What's what's that whole process like? It's pretty easy. I mean, we just ask people to send us an email, be specific with what you want exactly to do. If you want to send us a book or if you want to do a takeover or a portfolio. I mean, sometimes I go, I mean, always I go into people's websites and I always look at all the work um, because sometimes if someone says, I want to do an Instagram takeover, I'm like, yeah, sure, but hey, this work is great. Let's feature it on this and this website. Um, portfolio, I mean. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, if they can just send an email where, I mean, I personally respond to all of them. Mm -hmm. So it yep. takes me time, but I do eventually <laughs> respond to all of them. And, and we're always open to any suggestions, any yeah. collaborations. We're not, I mean, it's not this crazy, you know, organization where it's intimidating. We are open for everybody. The door is open. Yeah. You're, everybody's welcome. When we're going to do the float picnic, we're going to announce anyone who want to yes. come. Oh, that's wild. Join the potluck yeah. in Central Park. We have to Park. do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We didn't do it last year because things got crazy. And Always we had to do related to immigration. Yeah. But we want to definitely do. Um, yeah, it was really fun because it got everyone knowing each other for real. It, mm -hmm. was, it was really great to like talk to people and eat candy together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're uh, so floatzine at gmail.com. You're at Float Photo Magazine uh, at fa on Facebook and at Float underscore magazine on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. And we'll link to all that. Yeah. <laughs> that's enough just to keep track of all those accounts, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a job in and of itself. But, Let's uh, open a Tumblr again. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out well. No. Tumblr was not a good platform for us. Right. It wasn't. Yeah, it's. I think, I, know, I think it's on the way out, I think. Maybe. I hope so. I'm not maybe. following it very... I, I, we have an account, but nobody's working on it. So. It's yeah. destined like my, MySpace yeah. was. Yeah. Because yeah. Instagram is perfect for us because it's photography, right? And yeah. all the big photo people are on Instagram and they can follow us and mm -hmm. other people can follow. It just it makes more sense. Facebook is more of a... 
an official thing that you yes. everyone has to have. It's like a business page now. We, we yeah. should do yeah. a Snapchat for shady stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like late night float, you know? Yeah. Um, oh. yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried doing Snapchat for the photo show. I just couldn't figure yeah, out what to what do with it. it. Exactly. I don't know how to navigate the app. Right. I mean, it's just... It's, like yeah. I'll, I'll it's a some, generational I'll put gap. some dog yeah. ears on myself and, you know... <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> right, sorry. Yeah. I think Instagram is definitely the best pla- like social media platform mm-hmm. for us so far. I agree in general. Yeah. Um, so that's for those types of submissions. What about when you're working on like an episode? Are, do you... Do you do a call for like, oh, we're going to do the female gaze and you and yeah. you do a call for people to submit yeah, we specifically did, definitely. for that? Um, so people want to know about those, uh, do they just follow you on social media? Yeah, we always have it on our Facebook and we also have it always on our submission page on the website. So ah, it's okay. super easy. And it stays on until we finish editing mm-hmm. the magazine. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes even if in the last moment we'll get someone in if the mm-hmm. work is worth it. I mean, like it, not worth it, but like... Fits the magazine. Yeah, we're thinking that the next theme should be about war, which is funny because we just talked so much about it. Because it's, I feel like it's a big subject, and it can be really interesting to see how different photographers tackle this subject matter. So that that'll be an intense one. And making a mixture between fictional war photography Mm -hmm. or semi-documentary or post-war photography and during war photography, mixing all that together because they all refer to each other mm. and usually you don't see them both in the same on the same platform right. so i thought yeah. it would be really interesting to find a yeah. broader so that's the next one if anyone wants to submit to that one yeah. go all ahead right. we're right. accepting yeah. you heard it here first <laughs> that's right. well, yeah. Yeah. well this episode's going to be re- released actually pretty soon so, uh, so yeah so close. issue six just came out uh the female gaze right yeah. and now uh, we just heard issue seven most likely will be centered around war or conflict yes. so, now yeah. we have to yeah, yeah. you have to do it exactly and that's, of that's course official. seven is a lucky number and war True. is uh, always lucky in israel so <laughs> oh, <boy. Nice. laughs> depends yeah yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you both for uh, coming up here. And I hope you guys get away this summer. Thank you. Probably yes. not. <laughs> no. Oh, maybe we road can do trip. a road trip. Yes. Yeah, yes. And yes. a picnic. Yes. And, a picnic. and a road trip yes. and a picnic. That's yes. right. That sounds really good. Sounds yeah. like a good summer. It does. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.